and I love to do it. And I'm tonight, I haven't even read a text, and that's unusual for me because I'm a textual preacher. I believe in preaching the Bible, not just what, you know, some thoughts that come to my mind. I believe that Bible should be Bible preaching. And I'm not against other types of preaching. I'm going to preach tonight in a different fashion myself. But I think that we should do more Bible preaching than we do. Some people think it's only a great service if they shout the preacher down. Then they think, well, that's a great service because we we didn't have any preaching. Well, I don't know how having no preaching makes it a better service. What makes it a great service is when the will of God is done. And he blesses through whatever means that he chooses. And that should be more times than not the word of God. Now I'm preaching tonight what I call a Bible message. Which some of the homiletic experts call an exegetical. That's a Greek word but it's an exegetical sermon they would call it. And uh, that's exactly what I'm preaching. That means it's not a topical message. I'm not here to preach on a topic and stick to the topic, although I will stick to a topic. But it's not a swing from the chandelier sermon, but you'll need to keep your Bibles open. And that's hard. Some people just can't do it. They just got too many naps they need to take. And so it's hard for them to keep going back to the Bible. But that's what you do in a Bible sermon And I don't mean that other sermons are not biblical. I mean that this sermon tonight, I am preaching directly from 1 John. I am preaching from 1 John. I am doing it on purpose. I'm talking about God's love. And I'm going to preach from this context. You are loved. And I want to preach it directly from the apostle. And so I'd like for you, if you would, to grab your Bibles. I'm going to read... Uh, uh, several verses throughout this message. I will not stop reading from text. And here's what would just do thrill my soul. I know I'm raspy, and I know I know that it's the hours, all the, that's going on in this service. But and we got the prayer uh, cloths here, and and we've got all kinds of things going on, and we got folks here visiting, and we folks are they're thinking about Monday and all that's going on. What would thrill me would be is if when we say, okay, now look at verse seven, look at verse eight, that you would just grab your Bible and say, oh yeah, oh I see it there. That's exactly what it says. Because ultimately, God wants to minister to us through His Word tonight. Not just through emotion. And not just through what I feel. I have been through all kinds of emotion. We have shouted and we have danced and felt the presence of God. We've seen miracles. How many knows that God's still a miracle working God? But He wants to minister to us through the Word. So, let's look if you would at 1 John chapter 3. And we will let this be... And I will, I will tell you when we get to our very first uh, verse. So, everybody say, praise the Lord. There is a great difference between the body of Christ and the world in many ways. And one of the great differences is that the church knows the genuine love of God. The church knows that love. They know what the love of... Anybody know that's true tonight? We know the love of God. We've experienced the love of God. We know how to love one another. Everybody say amen. Amen. We know how to love one another. It may not be easy, but we know how to do it. 
We know how to love because God is love, the Bible says. Right here, I'm not going to go to the scripture, but you know it says it. That God is love. And we learn real love from our Creator. We learn about love. For example, when it is hard for us, or when we may have a little bit of racism in our soul, or we may have a little bit of bitterness towards someone, or we may not like a certain type of person, God works on us and says, wait a minute, that doesn't fit the love that I have, and I'm modeling the love that you need. So I can risk, for example, loving you, I can love you even when you don't love me. I can love you when you talk about me. I can love you when you say things and you know that the whole point is to try to make some sort of comment about the preacher. I remember as a young preacher, the first time someone told something on me that was not true. And they knew that it wasn't true. And I told the Lord how angry I was. How could they say something about me that wasn't true? And the Lord said, shut your mouth. That's what the Lord said. You just shut up. So I can risk loving the unlovable. I can love the sinner. Someone said, you ought to to tell them so and so and so. I one time was uh, somewhere, doesn't matter where it was, and, and I was the pastor, and someone said, you need to preach again. You need to tell her to take those things off her ears. I said, you need to get yourself in order. I will never preach a sermon you tell me to preach. When, this, when the Spirit is ready, she'll be ready. We'd baptize her, she got the Holy Ghost, and they thought that they ought to go in there and and just slap her around and tell her what to do. That young man was backslid in six months because of pornography. And the young lady he was talking about is still serving God. She took him off about two weeks later and so on. But the devil thought he had somebody faking love and pretending to know the answer. But you can risk loving even the unlovable with nothing in return because love has its own value. Love is a valuable thing. It doesn't matter who pats you on the back. Love is a valuable commodity. Love is its own reward. And that's why we can love sinners in spite of their rejection. Now John, and that's where we're going, is known here in often people call him the apostle of love because... Uh, It was his great theme. Remember in the gospel he said, For God so loved the world. That's Now, I don't know if you know, you probably do, but I'm just going to say it. I read recently a a report from uh, the Pew Foundation that they, they surveyed people. What is your favorite verse of scripture? Guess what it was? John 3.16. They claim that in repeated surveys, people will say, my favorite verse in the Bible is John 3.16. Very interesting. And the second most popular scripture in the entire Bible is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. But John here in the first epistle was adamant. That means he was very stubborn. 
that the only way that you knew a man loved God was if you see him love his brother. Now, now we come to the pastor preaching an exegetical sermon. If you do not love your brother, then John says, then you do not love God. You can claim it all day long. Now we come to our first scripture, John 3.11. For this is the message. Everybody got your Bible? The only way you can follow this sermon, I mean, you could sleep. But other than that, the best way is to have a Bible. Here we go. For this is the message. Well, or another way is for it to come up behind the preacher's head. <laughs> Forgive me, I, I forget that it's, it's right there. <laughs> for this is the message that ye heard from the beginning. Everyone say, from the beginning. Now, I'm going to tell you what I believe that to mean. I think there's several possibilities, but I've come to, to, to suggest that it means from the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. He taught love from the very beginning. He didn't tolerate anything but love. He was full of love. That we should love what? One another. So love is the great righteousness, not standards. No, sir. Nobody in this building loves holiness more than I love it. I love holiness. But it is not the great righteousness. The great righteousness is not long hair or long sleeves or memorizing verses. That's not the great righteousness. It is righteousness and I believe in it. But the great righteousness, John says, will set us apart. There's a righteousness that tells everybody who we are. It's not because we have standards. That is true. But there are people that can look apart, not be the person. It is possible. So let's go back to verse 10. Here we go. Verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest. Now, that's an old English word. I love it. I'm not trying to change it, but I'm trying to explain it. Manifest simply means it is seen or recognized or known. The word manifest literally means to make something visible or lift it up so that you can see it. In this, the children of God are manifest. And! Everybody say, and! So in the love of God! Oh, I can't really preach this. In the love of God, we can determine two things. You either love God and you're His child, or you are a child of the... You're not going to preach with me. That's all right. You're afraid to say it. I understand it. It's shocking and it is mind-blowing. But it is true that in this, that is the understanding of what love does, love is what makes it manifest. We are the children of God and the children of the devil. Do you see? Whosoever doeth his righteousness, or not his righteousness, is not of God. Is that up there? Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. In other words... You have to have righteousness, or I'm going to say holiness, 
happen to know enough to know that the word righteous and the word holy come from the same Greek word. And of course, they are talking about the same concepts. But that's not all that you need. And I appreciate them helping me here. They're doing such a good job. And I'm able to just kind of preach to you tonight. I got to preach what God gives me. Church, I want to tell you something. We need to be the most loving church in all the world. We need to be loving people. And I, I got to crying the other night because the, the Holy Ghost was telling me I was, the devil was trying to pounce on me. And uh, there were several things. And I said, Lord, we, what, about, what, Lord what, about, what about this? What about that? The devil was trying to say, you're never, 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 never going to overcome prejudice. Never, 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 never. That's what the devil was saying to me. I was uh, praying about some things and uh, not not just I'm not talking about Jonesboro. I'm talking here just things that were on my in my spirit. I needed the Lord's help with and the Holy Ghost began to remind me and to show me that the love that God gives us is greater than any force in all this world. The love of God can overcome any prejudice and any circumstance. Hallelujah. Anybody believe we serve a mighty God tonight? We serve a mighty God. So we need holiness. If you don't have righteousness, you don't love God or it's not of God. I'm going to stick with the text, but that's not all. See, verse 10, neither, so here's the additional proof that you are of God, neither he that loveth not. So I would take that to mean that you've got to have righteousness and love both. Holiness without love does not identify you as an apostolic. And some of the meanest people you'll ever meet were baptized in Jesus' name at some point. Just because they talked in tongues 30 years ago doesn't mean they're full of the Holy Ghost or that they're full of love. There are people that justify all of their hatred and there's no reason in the world for it. It's just that they are not truly a child of God and they are not demonstrating the love of God. So... John goes on to talk about the gospel. Everyone say the gospel. So the gospel teaches us more than just uh, emotion. The gospel is that we know our own hearts by its love. When we love, then we know that our heart is right. So if you love your brother... John said, then you're okay with God. And this is the, the opposite of the world. Now, let, let me be very clear that we should not be loving the same things that the world loves. And dear saints... You need to love righteousness. And you younger folks who may have greater temptation through movies and music to give way to a love of worldliness that is 
destructive to your heart, your spirit. You shouldn't love this world. John himself said it. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. I said that one time in a meeting of, of just about, they were wanting to know why we were holiness. And uh, they said, well, you, you love the world. I said, I do. Talking about we're not supposed to love the world. Yeah, you love the world. You're wearing a tie. You've got shoes on your feet. So I love the world because I was doing what other people in the world do. So his interpretation was, unless I want to walk on my hands and instead of wearing shoes, put some kind of something on my hands and do just the opposite of what the world... That's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about loving the sinful things of this world. We should not be drawn into the ungodliness of our world. So, so I said it, so nobody can mistake it. I'm telling you, you should not love the things the world loves. But John says that you shouldn't be surprised. Look at it, verse 13. Here we go, another verse. If the world hate you. See, that's the opposite of the church. The theme of the church is love. Can we just lift our hands and thank God for the love that he's shed abroad in our hearts. Lord, you've given us love that overcomes. You've given us a power. We're living in a world full of hatred where people are being slain on hillsides and, and buildings are blown to bits and young people are killed on the streets just for their tennis shoes. Lord, help us in this dark world. Don't let us be filled with the spirit of this world. Let us be filled with your spirit. So ask yourself, why would the world hate us? Why would they hate us when, when you love? We could say the same thing. Why did they hate Jesus? We could say that. But why, let's ask for a moment, why would they hate us? Because they love evil. They call it good. They call it marriage. But it's not marriage. They call it a good time, but it's not a good time. It's an evil time because that's what happens to a people that love the wrong things. They begin to hate real love because they love evil. They promote sin and they revel in sin and the Bible preaches its opposite. So they hate you because you love the opposite of what they love. In other words, you either agree with us. I can, my mind cannot help but think of Sodom. Um, my mind goes direct. I, all I can think of is how Sodom tried to, to, to do what it did and all of that. But the love of God changes us. In fact, look at verse 5. Now we're jumping back. And I'm doing it on purpose. They hated Jesus. Look what they did to him. All because he preached against sin. He could take away their sin. He was willing to die on our behalf to save them and me and you from sin and hell. But they preferred sin. And the most vile sin, listen to me, the most vile sin of all. I'm on record here. <laughs> I'm preaching tonight. I could, I could tell you a bunch of nice stories. I, I got a lot of them. I'd love to just, man, I love to preach like that. But I'm not doing it tonight. The vilest of sin. 
the vilest of sins, plural, is hatred. The opposite of love is not just a mere opposite. It is the depth of depravity to the point that John tells us something here that is so profound it's almost, it is almost beyond our comprehension. They hate you because you're different. They hate your holiness. They hate your righteousness. They hate your standard. Why? They, they hate you because you get in the way of their party. You get in the way of everything that they stand for and everything the devil stands for is opposite of what Jesus stood for. Jesus came. Now listen to me. Look at it. Verse 8. Verse 8. Here we go. Jesus came for one reason. Didn't come for you to, uh, for you to, uh, for, <laughs> for you, for me to have a brand new Cadillac, for me to have all kinds of brand new suits. And uh, now Brother French, how many pounds has Brother French lost? Uh, 34? All right, let's say 34. I don't know, but I think it's 34. So he had to buy a new suit. This week, wasn't it? He kept doing everything. I, I shouldn't tell you everything, but, and I won't. Okay, Sister French is shaking her head. But uh, I could. I could tell you what he had to do. <laughs> because the suits are, he's lost 30, almost 35 pounds. And, uh, and uh, blah, 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 blah. And so he had to do lots of creative things to wear the suits he has. And we're not, uh, let me tell you right now, folks, we're not, uh, you know, that's a working couple. They work their heads off. And we help and do, and, and uh, the church is uh, doing this and that. And, and so far, I'm not, I'm not bemoaning it. I'm just telling you, we're not paying them anything remotely where they could just walk around and find suits and so on. And so he finally broke down and said, I got to find somewhere. And he got one for $99 somewhere. And I, please tell me, hon, write that down. I need she. Did you already tell me? Okay. She she doesn't want to write it down. But anyway, it was just ninety nine dollars for this very nice suit. He's wore, he had going to preach this rally, and he didn't want his suits to be a problem. I can't even remember now why I told that. I'm, I'm just going to blame Sister French for that. No, I, I do remember, but I'm just kidding. And I was glad he could get a nice suit and have a nice suit, even if it was $99. Who cares? If it was 99 cents, if it's a nice suit, it's a nice suit. That's the point. We got folks just so caught up in in things of this world. And I'm so glad that we, we have young ministers who are willing to sacrifice and pay a price that you can find them here in the early morning hours. They're praying and they're 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 seeking God and and oh Dad, what I, I'm I'm burdened for the city. Help me to know what should I do. I want to do everything I can. I want to be willing. I don't want to be unwilling, Lord. Whatever you want to do, 
I thank God for that. I thank God that we have a, a ministry and a church. I want to tell you something else. I feel the Holy Ghost. We're, we're, the devil's telling everybody's compromise. Everybody. Everybody is not compromising. There are millions of people that are preaching holiness from sea to shining sea. Praise God. Praise God. So, 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 John tells us why Jesus came. That he might, verse 8, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So there is no way. So listen to me, listen to me. If you're listening to ungodly, evil music... You need to seriously think about the impact that makes on your consecration to God. So you got a double life, you're shouting in the altar, and then on Monday, you're listening to some ungodly group that's telling you to fornicate and, and, and everything in the world. I'm trying to be cautious here, but I want to tell you something. The works of the devil and the works of the Spirit are diametrically opposite. The love of God is in us. We love them in the face of hatred. We love the sinner. We love them. Praise God. I, I'm, I'm, I don't even know. <laughs> I can't even say it. I don't know this I, I, because it's going to be tape recorded. Oh, Jesus. I, oh, God. We are so full of God's love that we pray for our enemies. We pray for the ISIS combatants. We pray for them. Now, I don't pray that they'll have victory. Sometimes I pray, Lord, I hope the, that when they sit in a chair, it pokes them and stuff like that, you know. And when I'm praying for members of ISIS, like someone, we just got the report this week from the government. And, and some people are so critical of the government. Someone said, uh, and they're criticizing uh, our, our president. And someone, someone is saying, well, uh, I said, wait, 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 just a minute. Wait just a minute. Okay. Politics, politics here. You've got this idea. They, they were talking about them bombing the, uh, I don't know where it was. I'm not that attuned to it, but... Uh, there's some viral, what goes viral? Um, YouTube video, a video. It went viral that the ISIS um, guys, this is going to be one for the history books, and they come running up to some hill in, in Kobani there. And, and they were just shouting. And they raised the flag of, of uh, the Islamic State. That they had taken this hill in Kobani. And then about three seconds later, the 
president had ordered them to, to bomb that hill and the whole thing just exploded, looked like a nuclear explosion. So yes, there's part of my heart that says, Lord, help us overcome evil. Help us win against sin. Let us fight enemies that would destroy freedom and all of that. But love is so powerful that even as we're praying for the destruction of enemies, we're, we're adding in this little phrase, Lord, Bring revival, oh God. How many of you are praying for Syria? How many of you know we have tons of apostolics in Syria in a nation that is absolutely in turmoil? But I want to tell you something. The love of God is more powerful than any enemy. God's love is greater than any force in this world. So let's go a little deeper. So he came to destroy the works of the devil, and that's why they hate it. John adds that hate, everybody say praise the Lord. Everybody say praise the Lord. I'd like to get just a little bit further. I know some of you are thinking, I I can hear you, I can hear you. Lord, help the French, please. Lord. You're not saying it out loud, but I hear you. John adds this. Now give me just a moment. Hate is the same sin somehow. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm telling you John said it. Hate is the same sin as murder. Verse 15, here we go. How many see it? All right. Whosoever hateth, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Hate, my friend, is its own death sentence. It has no mercy, has no concern, it is selfish. It is cold. And how many recognize that I'm describing the opposite of Jesus our Lord? I'm describing the opposite of Jesus himself. When rejected and crucified by his own people, he was lied about. He was treated unjustly and with cruel hate, the Bible says. They literally, the Bible uses the, well, you you get my point. Do I need to go further? What does the Bible say Jesus did? The Bible says he cried out. Everybody say he cried out. That in itself is an act of love. He cried, he pled for them, though it was agony on the cross to speak a single word or barely even move, suspended by nails through his hands and his feet. Yet the Bible says he prayed. That was an act of love. Father! That was love Forgive them. 
So you, my friend, are loved. He loved you so much, he endured the death of Calvary to pay redemption's price. Nothing less than his love for you could have saved you, dear one. He paid the full price. It was love that held him there. Not nails and not rusty spikes. They could not have forced the Son of God to bear such a reproach, but he did it. For you. You listening to me? Jesus knew the rooster would crow, signaling betrayal by the apostle who'd said he'd never leave his side. He knew the tomb awaited him. He knew the price all too well. So much so. Do you remember this? And, and I'm trying to, everybody, let's lift our hands and praise God for just a moment. Lord, we're not going to win the world because we're smart or because we're emotional or because we can quote Bible scriptures backwards. We're going to win the world because we love them like you love them, oh God. Help us to do it. Help us to do it. You perhaps remember that he knew the price he was paying so much so that the Bible says that he sweat, and forgive me for terming it precisely this way, but he sweat as it were great drops of blood and there have been entire books written to explain the medical circumstance in which someone could bleed through their pores and so on. And uh, uh, of course, that's for another time. But I'm telling you that Jesus sweat, as it were, drops of blood because he knew exactly what he was doing. Yes, he knew it. And Jesus said it in the negative. Do you, in other words, he said it like this. Do you think I couldn't have come off of that cross? Matthew uh, 26 is one of the great, to me it's one of the great moments in the Gospels where Jesus said, he, I, don't you think I could have called 12 legions? Matthew 26, 53. To me that's one of the great passages of Matthew but he says it in the negative, but he could have freed himself. Yes, he could have. He could have freed himself. He could have called the 12 legions and, and it would have been over. You say, I don't understand that. That's because you're not God. God could have said no to it all. Every bit of it could have been done, but he did not because of you. Don't you think for a minute that Jesus couldn't have done differently? He wasn't a pawn. He had a choice, and the choice was you. He loved you so much. He cared enough. He was not forced. He did it because of love. 
and that's who we are. We're the people of love. Are we perfect? Nope. Are we doing it like we should? No. But we are learning to be like Him every day that we live. You are loved, dear child of God. We could say that you may be the most loved person that ever lived. The songwriter says, oh, what a love. That's the refrain. Well, that love deeper than the ocean, that was for you. If God loved us, John wrote in 4.11, we ought also to love one another. Think about that. I love him. Everyone say him because he loved me. That love saved me from the ravages of sin. I was a sinner. I was destined to walk a road that sin had uh, had uh, set out for me. But now I love you. I'm able to be the person, and you're able to be the person because God loves you. You're my brother, not by virtue of race or skin color or gender or some language, or earthly commonality. I love because, everyone say because, verse 19, because of his love, because he first loved us. That's a Bible verse, not a chorus. That's a Bible verse. So I take responsibility to love you. And I say I in the, in the common sense. We take responsibility to love each other like Jesus loved us. That's my responsibility. It's also my new nature. I may struggle with it. I may fail. I may have to say, you know what, brother, I'm sorry. I, I didn't quite handle I think maybe that could have been different right there. But, uh, but see, love, you know how much, you know how much, uh, just the, uh, I was going to tell that, but I won't, I, I'm not, I'm not going to hold you a moment longer than I have to. But love does something to us. I was picking up some kids on the bus, and someone said, Pastor, um, look uh, uh, on your on your suit, uh, that she's wiped her nose. On, on, right there, on, right there. And she'd been crying, and because mom wasn't gonna let her come, because she'd been up drunk all night. And we told her that we had a special program, and we wanted her to be there. But love says, eh, it's just a suit. Give me your hanky. Oh, no, not my hanky. Yeah, your hanky. Give me your hanky. I want to wipe that off. And, and uh, let's go on. She's going to be there. Love is a powerful force. And if it determine, if a determined effort and skill can master the sport of basketball, which I don't want to tell you how I've perfected that, or baseball, 
or you name it. I mean, hey, they get to be pretty, pretty good. Then why can't we master the art of loving one another? If every time we miss the basket and we said, okay, I'm out of this, I'm, I'm out of this forever, no more, no more basketball for me because you missed a basket? Or what would you say if your teammates were working and, tr- and trying to get better and, so, and you wouldn't even let them train because you wanted perfection before perfection had come? Well, that's what we often do. We chew each other out before we even have a chance and then we write them off forever because it wasn't perfection. Love isn't about perfection Love is about being like Jesus is. And so every day I come back and I say, I'm going to love him better today, Jesus. I'm going to spit on his face and he wipes it off and he keeps going. And he says, Father, on their behalf. That's the love that has been handed down to us. And verse 17 of chapter 4, Jesus called it perfecting or bringing into perfection. Because as he is, everyone say, as he is, as he, everybody say, as he is, we're almost there, folks. As he is, so are we in this world. The Greek there is kathos, which is supposed to be used with the balance, and the balance is chi, kathos chi. So just like he is, that's just what we are. When he loves and we learn from him, we become everything that God wants us to be. We suddenly realize, wait a minute, I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not, I'm not. How many, have you ever heard that song? Sister French, help me here. And I, I'm sorry that I'm mentioning a song and I won't remember three of the words, but if you could help me with at least five words. Okay, here's the first verse. Uh, today I went back to the place where I used to go. Today I saw blah, 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 blah. That's part of the words, blah, 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 blah. And I saw the, and I, and, uh, okay, help me now, I'm past the blah, blah. And so, I'm not the man I used to be. I can see, isn't there something in there about, that's right. I don't live here anymore. This is not the place. I'm not going to the places. I'm a new person. You know how he got to be that new person? Because the church loved him there. The church didn't say, I want perfection today or you're out of here. You're perfect right now or I'm not even talking to you. The church said, come on, brother, you can make it. You can make it. I'm going to love you into the kingdom of God. Praise God. How many are glad tonight that you're loved, that God is our hope tonight? Could we stand together? Could we just lift our hands and praise the Lord all across this sanctuary tonight? Lord, I thank you because you are our hope. Lord, you are our strength, and you're going to make a difference, oh God. Lord, we're not going to judge people by their exterior. We're not going to judge them culturally or say they're not welcome here because maybe they're not uh, quite as groomed or maybe they're not from the crowd we like and, and so on. I pray, Lord, that we will open these doors to whosoever will.
that they'll know they're loved here. We love them regardless of the fact that they may not be everything somebody else thinks they ought to be. Could you, uh, let's, let's dismiss from up here. Could we just come and pray for our city? I'd like us to pray for Jonesboro tonight and for the unloved and the unlovable tonight. Would, could we just stand here for just a moment and let's just cry out. Jesus cried out in love for those that were around him. And tonight I'd like us to pray for Jonesboro. I don't mean just the people that look like me. I mean everybody in Jonesboro. Some are dirty and some are cruddy. And some are on drugs and some are smoking and some are cussing. And there's all kinds of things, but we love them, Lord. Just like you loved us when we weren't fit to be seen. We weren't even fit to be known, but you loved us, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We'll make a decision that we're going to build the house that love built. Lord, I thank you for it right now, for your presence. Could you just lift a hand and...